This podcast is for your entertainment only and is not the place to find professional medical advice. Hey guys, Jamie here. I'm here this week with Jason from We At One. He has some awesome ideas and thoughts to share with us today around the journey into self, self-healing, IBS, food as a natural medicine. So we're going to get into all of that. It's going to be awesome. How are you, Jason? Thanks for joining us. Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a crazy week with the election and everything, but oh, yeah. I think we're happy with the outcome. So <laughs> <laughs> I think the world is. Yeah, exactly. So how's life in the UK going at the moment with lockdown? Yeah, life in the UK is going okay, to be honest. Um, so it's really strange. Obviously, we've got to um, we've got to go back into this. I mean, it's not like we haven't been here before. Um, it's, I can't work for a month, so that is what it yeah. is. Um, but to be honest, it allows me a little bit more me time. Um, it gives me more time to work on my business. Uh, it gives me more time to work on my life coaching. And if I'm honest, and a month off of working uh, with my sort of conventional regular job, it's not so much of a bad thing. We're covered. The UK government are giving us grants if you're eligible, which luckily I am. So that will be enough to get by, albeit it's definitely not as much as what I'm used to getting. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I can get by on it, which is fine. So, uh, you know, roll on December. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things with, I mean, I wasn't, I was only in lockdown for a couple of months in Sydney, but you got to count your blessings. I mean, it is hard to be isolated and then the financially and all of that. But then it's also a season of like self-reflection and rest and can be a season of self-reflection and rest. And Definitely, definitely. I think it all depends on how you take it. Um, if you're somebody who's got a lot of outgoings, I'm sure this is going to make life a lot more difficult. Obviously, there's bills to yeah. pay and uh, there are things that, um, you know, that you need to make to make payment for. And I, I totally, totally understand that. However, if you're somebody who is proactive and perhaps um you may be somebody who might be feeling that actually do you know what this might create a perfect opportunity for me to um try something else for me to take on something else or for me to reassess what's important to me what's not important to me what am i needlessly paying for what do i yeah. actually what is society dictating that i should have versus what do i actually want to spend my money on it might be a good time for self-reflection just depending on yeah. how you uh, perceive it Here's the real question, though, is are you going to start a TikTok? <laughs> uh, well, I can't dance very well, so I doubt okay. it. <laughs> okay. But I'm, well, I, but won't I'm be, I won't be holding in with bated breath to see your TikTok. <laughs> Do you know what? I'll, I'll, uh, um, if, if lockdown gets really, really boring and uh, they extend it over here to past December and I'm drinking enough alcohol, I might just give it a go. <laughs> Well, that's what happened to me during lockdown. I got a TikTok. I saw. I have since deleted it, but... <laughs> oh, what? You rocked at it. I, you know, like, I just keep trying to set boundaries and... <laughs> um, you can see that awkward smile on your face now. Like, yeah, it's one of those things that happen, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um. So do you find... And in the seasons of lockdown, like we do talk about pet peeves. So sure. what's your pet peeve and has does lockdown exacerbate it? Oh my God. Yes. I have a pet peeve. It's something that, um, it's something that I 
feel so strongly about and it's something that's just so um it's so like ridiculous but it okay so my pet <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm anticipating no this is it's so ridiculous but I think a lot of people can probably uh, relate to it as well so my pet peeve would be if I'm about to join a queue and somebody just beats me to it that is my ultimate pet peeve oh. so let's say for instance especially during lockdown there are only shops banks post offices are only open for a certain amount of time now you have to get yourself down to that place before it closes so yeah. I'm, let's say, for instance, I can I'm, I can see it visually. I've got the post office, post office in front of me. I know that I'm about to join it. I've got a lot of stuff I need to do. I'm going to try and do it all in one hit so that I don't have to make repeat visits because it has become really, really annoying. Um, I'm about to join the queue. Then all of a sudden, somebody beats me to it. And there'll oh. be someone who out of nowhere. They'll like sort of sidestep me. Or we might be walking and in the same place and opposite ends and we can both see each other. And we both know that we're going for the same queue. And then they walk just that little bit faster and get there just before me. Oh, oh and you're just like, like you go into rage. Oh, man. Yeah. It's like a silent, like UK style rage as well, where I just stand there tutting and going, oh. Huh. <laughs> well, and <laughs> for our, yeah, and for our American listeners, a queue is a line. So you went, oh, yeah. When you're standing in line. Um, that's hilarious because that, that doesn't bother me. And this is why I love this segment because like things that bother one person aren't going to necessarily bother another. And yeah. I also find that some, that there are, there'll be some people that will add insult to injury when I go to join the line as well. There'll be the person who's got a complaint or there'll be somebody who is going to take up some like needless time, you know? So they've just beaten you to it. And then you know you're saying to yourself, if only I'd been, been like 20 seconds earlier, I could have beaten them to the queue. Then I wouldn't have to wait that extra amount of time to get what I need to get done done. And then would you believe that they'll be the person to be standing there going, "Oh, so one of my my posts didn't get delivered, or uh, I want to make a complaint. Go and get your manager." And I'm standing there going, "Oh my god, oh Jesus!" Uh, <laughs> I feel like I've heard that in the UK there's this whole etiquette around queues and standing oh, in the queue. Is this is this real? Yeah, yeah, this is a thing. This is a thing. So it's it works under the assumption of politeness. Yeah. So we have this thing in the UK where politeness trumps all. So, for instance, um, if you're about to join a line and somebody just beats you to it, what we should do is say, excuse me, I was going there first. You've clearly jumped the line. Um, would you mind standing behind me? But we don't. What we do is we think something horrible about them and then we go, oh, we tut and you can tell the person is is oh yeah yeah and they'll just flat out ignore it so that way we're not breaking this kind of impoliteness etiquette we're just kind (laughs) of like silent one of us is silently annoyed at the other and the other one is grinning with glee because they've done something that we're not going to say about you know it's just this this is weird politeness thing that we've got okay for instance if you're in the subway in london and the doors open and the british thing to do would be to let everybody out first and then you join, you yep. know, then you get onto the uh, onto the subway afterwards. What some people do is they just completely skip that and they'll cut straight in front of you and they'll be pushing in to grab themselves a seat even before everybody else has come out. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of like, yeah, it's it's breaking. That's uh, common breaking. etiquette here, and as well yeah. as in France. I haven't done public transportation in the U.S. much, but yeah, that's oh, definitely one lovely. of those rules where it's like. 
you need to step aside and let me out before. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why it bothers me so much, but I guess because we have this weird UK etiquette where sort of politeness is like an assumed thing. So when someone dares to break it, we're like, oh, no, that's not what we do. <laughs> what would happen if you told the person that you were like, that was your place in line or in the queue? Do you know what? It's never happened. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think, um, I think, you know, in all likelihood, they'll probably, they'll probably just go, oh, sorry. Or something like that. We love saying sorry in the UK. Sorry. And then they'll just go behind us, you know. But um, I kind of feel like I just can't be bothered with the confrontation, especially when we're all in this kind of like this weird lockdown mode where we're, um, you know, kind of tense and on the edge and we're unsure and nervous anyway. So I just kind of, I tend to just let it go and go, oh, well, never mind. It's happened. But it doesn't stop me from being that little bit annoyed. Uh, Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, so... With, I guess, kind of lockdown and everything, you obviously have IBS and you talk about that a lot on your Instagram page, which is we at yeah. one. And how how has that affected you in this season and your IBS? Have you had flare ups? What how to are be you honest, managing no. that? Uh, to be honest, no, not really. Um, I think I've mostly got that under control now. So um, what I do as part of my page and what I do as part of my um, part of my business is that I'm guiding people and helping people and sharing knowledge that I have in order to help them um, to help them uh, rid themselves of IBS or at least bring it under control. Uh, even if it's like a 5% improvement, a marginal improvement is better than no improvement. Yeah. So um, that's something I feel really sort of strongly about. Um, had the stress of it get me, then almost, un- well, probably undoubtedly, I would have um, an IBS flare up. So let's say, for instance, if, um, if, we've gone into lockdown and I had loads and loads of repayments to make. Um, or I had uh, so many commitments that have suddenly, you know, vanished and disappeared. I did actually have a major one. I won't go into it, but um, I did have something that um, had to stop for me for this year. And, and I did feel stressed and I felt annoyed about it. But through the methods that I've learned in which to deal with this, I could kind of rid myself of that energy. And so yeah. the IBS symptoms didn't come, uh, didn't, uh, didn't hit me. Whereas had I not done that, um, I feel like, yeah, for sure. I would have been, uh, I would have been symptomatic for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think that's actually really cool that you say that because, um, kind of the research and the statistics around IBS is that it's really not curable one. And secondly, they don't know the cause. Like there's just so much, um, uncertainty yeah. around IBS as a condition, which exactly. for those of our listeners that don't know the what that means it's irritable bowel bowel syndrome it's essentially something that affects the gut from what i understand i mean i've kind of had it as well um and we yes all have to a degree yeah. at some point in our lives um, we all would have suffered with, with um, irritable bowel syndrome at some point and that's basically what you've just said sort of verifies why doctors can't um can't cure this because it's in you know and essentially it's incurable because it's something that we that we live with however we can manage the symptoms well and we can rid ourselves of this if we make lifestyle adjustments um doctors can't give you that sort of that pill or pamphlet about it and say here you go this is all you need to know you know job done because it's such a fluctuating um problem it's something that uh, affects us all differently depending on who we are is definitely going to depend upon how we uh, what our symptoms will be and how um, how it's received by us and also how we uh, how we act towards it so for me I was a, a chronic sufferer 
um, of IBS. You know, I had IBS uh, D, which is IBS diarrhea. And um, oh. it was uh, just something that dogged my life for such a long time, as far back as I can remember. And basically, I couldn't it didn't stop me from doing what I wanted to do, but I had to make a hundred contingency plans every time I yeah. wanted to do something in an unsafe place and unsafe meaning somewhere where I knew a restroom or a toilet wasn't going to be available to me. So I had to kind of have go into this massive anxiety mode about how I'm going to deal with this. If the, you know, if it occurs, if one of my symptoms flares up, so where am I going to go? Who am I going to, who am I going to notify? Um, am I going to embarrass myself in front of loads of people? Yeah. Are new people going to be there? Are they going to be talking about me? Um, are they going to sympathize or laugh with me? Um, it was something that, you know, it was, I would think a hundred thoughts about this, which in turn would set off anxiety within myself and then in turn would exacerbate the symptoms. Yep, exactly. So that one of the key things that I had to learn how to do was to accept what was going on and learn how to manage this and learn how to rid myself of the anxiety, which in turn counts towards helping um, counts towards helping me rid myself of the symptoms and therefore almost not not quite but almost removing IBS from me completely however when I do get stressed anxious nervous which we all do we're all human so yeah. we're all of us we're all going to um, experience something like this at some point the symptoms do start to come back but instead of me going into panic mode about this I now know that this is manageable and I, I've learned methods and ways in which to deal with this. And so if a symptom does occur, it usually doesn't last very long. It's, it's gone within, hopefully within a couple of hours, whereas before it might have taken a few days. Yeah, well, that's really interesting because we do have quite a few IBS, people with IBS in the community. And I mean, even myself, the whole anxiety thing that you're talking about, how... How do you think you healed? You put your IBS into remission, or healed from it, or kind of got yourself to a point where it doesn't affect you as much anymore? What would you say are the kind of the main things that have helped you? Yeah, sure. So um, I would say the main thing uh, that helped me um, to to rid myself of this is to do massive, massive internal work, and by that I mean I had to basically send myself on, on a healing journey. I had to start dropping the ego that I had. Um, yeah. that, that surrounded me and that surrounded my life. Um, I'm a very positive, up, uplifting, energetic person. But with that, um, ego plays an enormous part in, in sort of, you know, in who, who I was as a person. So if yeah. I couldn't sort myself out, I would kind of, I would feel as though that, you know, if I can't sort myself out, nobody can. You know, the only person to, that, that I could blame is myself. Whereas the answer to this was to actually be kinder to myself and to start looking at myself yeah. through a third person perspective. So uh, I started to learn things like meditation, which really, really helped. That taught me to be calm, to be still and to be present with what was going on. When I had IBS attacks and flare ups and all the rest of it, what used to happen is that that would send me into a panic mode, which, of course, would send me into either a panic attack or it would send me into this massive sort of anxiety spiral where I'd be sitting yeah. there kind of like swallowed up in my own thoughts. My friends and you know friends around me would, would be like, are you OK? Are you OK? Now, when you are asking somebody who is going through a panic attack or an anxiety attack, if they're OK, when you start to have more and more eyes around you and you, they, they start to sort of uh, close in around you and they go, are yeah. you OK? Are you OK? They're trying to comfort you. They're trying to do their best for you, which I'm sure some of your listeners might be able to resonate with this. 
But what tends to happen is that it makes the problem so much worse because you're telling them and you're telling yourself, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But really, you're not fine. You're actually suffering internally so badly. So what I learned how to do was I learned breathing techniques to see myself through it. I learned grounding techniques as well. And I also learned how to rewire my brain to imagine myself from a third person perspective. So for instance, if you're going through a if you're going through a, a panic attack or if you're going through an anxiety attack or you feel like the symptoms are flaring up in you, I found that what I started to do was to be present with it and to understand and to acknowledge it and go, okay, this is happening. What am I going to do about this? Whereas yeah. before I would try and run from the symptoms and I would try and escape them and say like, oh my God, this is happening. Stop. Oh my God, we're going, we're going to a, a, a we're going to a, a nightclub or we're going to a restaurant or we're going somewhere. How's this going to look? How, what are people going to think of me? How am I going to deal with this? When actually the best way to, to do it was to look at it from that third person perspective and go, okay, this is happening. All right. I recognize these are the symptoms and then just breathe through it, you know? Um, I found a great technique was to imagine that the symptoms that I had were like black smoke within me. And then what I would do is I would place my hand where I felt this black smoke was. So for instance, if it was an anxiety attack, it would probably be my head. Or if it was a stomach attack or an IBS attack, I would put my hand on my belly. And then what I would do is I would do a deep breath in and I would imagine white light going in and a deep breath out. And each time I breathed out, I imagined the black smoke was traveling up and through me and out of me. And that way, slowly, 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 it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, you know, within an instant or within within 10 minutes. Um, The more I practice it, the better I become at it. But within half an hour, it's gone. Whereas beforehand, that might have been the night cancelled for me. So that was something that really, really. That's interesting that you say that because there's several things in that, which is I found for me on my healing journey, that was this whole idea of, and I think a lot of people in the chronic illness community face this, especially when you're kind of on the recovery trajectory, because there's almost like PTSD when you're dealing with it. Like when I was recovering from CFS, I would have a, like a small flare up. And then I would start to go into this, oh my gosh, am I going to have a crash? Am I going to get chronic fatigue syndrome again? Am I going to, and it took me a while to move past the anxiety and be like, and similar to what you're saying is just saying to myself, look, I'm going to get through this. I've gotten through it before. It's going to get better. And it's that inner dialogue. And then, so that's one thing. And then the other thing that's interesting in what you're saying is like the visualization, because um, I also have chronic pain and I'll talk to my pain sometimes. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll talk to it and I'll be like, so why are you in like, what are you trying to tell me? Oh, I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to protect you. And I'm like, okay, thank you for pain. Yeah. But I don't need that. So I'm going to give you freedom to not do that. Yeah, and it's again amazing. It's not like the the cure all, but it helps definitely. Absolutely, absolutely, because you're acknowledging it. You understand that it's there. You're not running away from it. You understand that it's there, and it's something that you haven't. Um, that this is this isn't new for you. You've experienced this before. You recognize it, and I think putting a positive spin on it as well is is definitely a massive step in uh, in releasing yourself from it. 
releasing your body of this negative energy and releasing yourself of the uh, the fear of it as well. Because yeah. for sure, everybody who does go through some sort of chronic illness or chronic pain massively fears that coming back because it sends us back to that time when we were at our worst. And what we try and do is our body tries to sort of uh, tries to tell you, oh, we've got to get away from this. You know, we've got to, the body's in fact is trying, and the mind is trying to protect itself from this from happening, you know? So for me, for example, when I had, um, when I had IBS uh, attacks, my body recognized that the best way to deal with this was to use the restroom and just, and just get done with. And then once that was done, we were all good. The problem with that is, is that I'm not, I'm not always in the most convenient place to do that especially in social situations or working or even driving, you know, and I would yeah. have an attack come on and then my body would go, ah, I know the way to deal with this, to deal with this. We'll just go to the restroom. But when you can't do it, it sends you into this sort of panic. Like, oh my God, I can't, I can't do that because I'm, I'm in a place yeah. where I, I physically cannot do this. So what am I going to do? So you end up sort of sitting with it. And then you rightly said the way to get rid of this is to perhaps acknowledge it and to talk to it and go, okay, this is happening. That's annoying. Um, you're, you're free to leave at any time, you know, because I'm, I'm cool. I don't need this anymore. And, yeah. uh, and I'm going to get through it. And definitely, I feel like uh, that, that comes with sort of dropping the ego about it as well, you know, because the ego protects us as well. And when you, when you, when you, remove that and acknowledge that, that that sort of that protection you know is there to help you but at the same time it doesn't always help you in the most convenient of ways so yeah. dropping that part of you well I found that for me anyway especially if I if I'm not telling myself and my friends I'm fine I'm fine I, I, everything's fine I don't need you I don't need I don't need people's help I'm okay I can manage this on my own sometimes if you're honest with it and you say to people yeah you know what I'm experiencing a bit of a panic attack at the moment this is happening this is um I'm, I'm experiencing this. I'm going through this at the moment. And for people who are clued up on this, most people would go, oh, okay, cool. Is there anything I can do to help? You go, no, not really. Just sit with me or just just ignore me just for 10 minutes. They go, oh, okay, cool. And then it, it goes. Yeah. So I guess the whole ego thing, can you clarify? I think I know what you mean, but that that word is such like a charge, charged word. Yeah, sure. The, the whole ego thing. So when you say ego, what do you what do you mean? So for me, the ego is something that's there to protect you. It's kind of like a um, ego in itself is is the thing that's that's pushing you forward and it's driving you, and it's there. You know, essentially, I believe anyway, it's there to sort of protect you and to to protect who you are. So let's say, for instance, um, I'm going through a I'm going through an anxiety. Uh, an anxiety attack. My ego is telling me, you're fine. You're better than this. You can get through this. You don't need anyone. You don't need any help. You're the toughest person in the room. No one's been through this, so they can't understand. No one knows knows the suffering that you're going through. You don't, you know, you, you can do this like that. So ego, in a sense, can help you a bit and help you in that what in, in, in certainly in getting through in getting through the worst of it but the way to rid yourself of it is to drop that ego and just to sort of acknowledge it and take that on so ego your your ego might tell you and you know might sort of tell the world that you don't need anyone and that you're fine and you're strong and all the rest of it but when we start to incorporate vulnerability into it we drop the ego and that will allow for vulnerability um 
I found that vulnerability really sort of helped me open up a door to, um, you know, to become to healing. And that was like a massive, massive thing for me in my healing journey was to sort of to drop that ego part and just to say, you know what, actually, I am experiencing these things. I am vulnerable in this way um, and I need help. And that's where I started to look for external sources. Beforehand, I was spending years and years and years trying to cure myself. I felt that everybody was failing me. You know, every time, like I'm sure many of your chronic hope um, and uh, chronic uh, sufferers that listen to this would know that you go to see 100 doctors and 100 different specialists and all the rest of it. And each time you walk away feeling like they failed you a little bit because, because they can't offer you the advice or they can't offer you the steps or they can't offer you the things that you need to cure yourself you're like well I've just I've paid them to do that and they haven't done that so I need to help myself and really um the best way I found to get through it was to drop that sort of ego part and be open to vulnerability and be open to okay what what could help what 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 can I take away from this you know what what are the even if you took away five percent of an entire course of somebody and say you've you've spent an hour with them and you've taken away you've taken away one thing from that that goes towards helping you in healing then that's then you're like a step closer to you're getting a step you're a step closer to to healing you're a step closer to um to ridding yourself of this horrible of this horrible illness so vulnerability I feel like Mm. works really really well in that sense and I feel that well, for me anyway, that dropping that ego part, dropping that sort of like self-preservation protectiveness helped me, um, helped me heal. Wow. And that's interesting what you say as well around almost having this expectation that other good people are going to have what you need. How, that's so interesting that you say that because I've been kind of experiencing that because there, I think as people, we do eventually need to get up to a point. It's and I think it's part of potentially the process of maturity is realizing that other people aren't going to meet our needs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have to look inside. Um, like I said before, um, the internal healing for me is what helps the self work the um yeah looking at myself from that third person perspective and acknowledging and being open to what uh could work for me so for instance um let's say okay so i had to look at my diet for instance i tried every diet under the sun before yeah. getting on to what worked for me so i tried sugar free i tried wheat free i tried dairy free tried wheat and dairy free i tried the candida diet i tried the fodmap diet and i did this yeah. for sort of year-long blocks at a time so it wasn't like i tried it for a couple of weeks and went oh no this, this yeah. isn't working for me i tried it for a year at a time so it has taken me years to get to the position that i'm in now now when i did this um i would improve marginally i'll go oh, okay maybe this is an improvement and then i would change it up a little bit and go okay maybe this is an improvement but it was always yeah. like one yeah. step forward one step back i couldn't find what was working um i couldn't find really what was working for me properly eventually i got on to um trying a uh, the plant-based diet now that was something i didn't want to do i didn't i couldn't yeah. stand the thought of not having bacon or steak or milkshakes or something like that I thought oh god this is going to be awful and also during my healing journey I um, was fluctuating in weight a lot so I would eat foods that I thought were good for me and I would drop a load of weight and then I would eat foods that weren't so good for me and that weight would come back on but of course with the oncoming weight came the 
symptoms as well. So yeah. for IBS healing, you have to find what works for you uh, dietary wise. Now I'm not pushing like a vegan agenda and I'm not pushing, um, I'm not pushing, you know, a plant-based lifestyle for everybody. However, when you do eat from scratch and when you do cut out things which are hard for the body to process, like lots of meat and dairy, you know, things like and artificial foods, convenience foods, microwave foods, that sort of thing, you get rid of those and you start to become present again with food. That massively, massively helped me. I had to learn how to cook, whereas I didn't really know how to cook before. So yeah. I had to learn how to do that. And when you start doing that, you start to appreciate the food that you're eating. You're not just eating out of necessity anymore. You're enjoying what you're cooking. You know, it's not like a, today I'm going to have a microwave carbonara. It was like, okay, today I need to have something different. I'm going to make a spaghetti from scratch and I'm going to make the bolognese from lentils and shiitake mushrooms and, um, and, and, yeah. and chopped tomatoes and all this sort of goodness. And we, once you throw all this stuff together, um, and you, and, and then you eat it, you realize you, you're, you're putting love and energy into this. So that yeah. in turn really, really helps as well. So I found that once I got, you know, once I, um, drops, uh, once I got rid of the, basically the, the shite foods, the stuff that I really didn't want to eat and all, of the, all that sort of garbage food. And I incorporated a healthy, um, healthy, decent food that massively, massively helped me. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you say that because I I think what I've learned with this whole chronic illness journey is that everybody's body is different, right? So what what, what works for one person isn't going to necessarily work for, for another person. And it's so important what you're saying about like trying different things. I think it's really good that you tried different diets and then you landed on the one that's worked for you. Definitely. It, because, took, it took years though. It took about... yeah. It took 10 years. Yeah. Easily. Yep. So yeah. So I want to tell people as well that who are listening that not to give up hope about this as well. If you are going through a chronic illness, you are going through something that feels like it's going to be forever, or it's something that in fact um, is just a sort of, this is just part of life at the moment for you to never, ever give up hope and to never give up hope of ridding yourself of this or at least managing it and changing your lifestyle and adapting your lifestyle so you can manage this and you can live a, a really decent, fulfilling life. But without letting this become you, I think for some of us, the chronic illness becomes us and we become that person. You know, I, I am suffering with this, therefore I am this, you know? Yeah. And then we put restrictions on ourselves and what we can and can't do. Whereas if you if you're not to give up hope, if you're to sort of, you know, continue to push yourself forward and have a lot of self-belief about what you can, about what you can do, obviously there are limitations and boundaries as well. You have to set yourself so that you don't crash and so that this whole thing doesn't become a massive failure for you. But I feel that um, if you, if you, if you continue to think positively and you continue to, you continue to imagine that this is going to get better. This is going to, you know, I, I, I can do this. I need to, I need to, reach out to external sources and see and be open to possibilities of changing things. Yeah. I feel like that positivity can propel ourselves forward and, um, and yeah. inevitably we might be able, we might be able to rid ourselves of this as well. Yeah. I think it's definitely one of those things where making sure to have that positive mindset and it's not easy. I'm definitely not saying it's easy. And I know that you aren't as well because it's so hard, but it's, it's actually the little things that can make that difference. Like even just with chronic hope, we've decided to use the language of like 
Instead of saying someone's suffering from a chronic illness, we say this person is living with a chronic illness. Yeah. That's and a it's great just way. that that very small change of word that takes the person from being almost like the victim of a chronic illness to they're overcoming it to their living with it to their. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Does that make sense? And then also making sure that we're like, rather than saying this person is disabled, saying this person is living with a disability. Yeah. Or And just changing the language around that. Or I live with chronic pain. I am um, experiencing chronic pain, but I, and not saying I am in pain because you're absolutely you're actually like saying that you are you actually are pain or in pain associate yourself from it perhaps so yeah you disassociate yourself and even just changing the language can really have a massive impact i think on just the way you start to think about yourself absolutely absolutely and like you said you're removing the victim part of it uh, from that as well um, when I when I've been going through um, talking about the um, pain that I've overcome, I tend to say suffering um, because obviously I'm now not suffering with it. So I'm sort of recanting the tales of of what I was of what yeah. I was going through in hope that it would relate and resonate with um, with people who perhaps are going through this. But I really like your take on on living with it rather than suffering with it. I'm really I think I might start incorporating that. It's <laughs> a really good idea. What? Thank you. And I hope, um, I actually heard it from someone else. I don't remember who it was kind of someone like said that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's actually so true. We have to be careful around the language that we're using. Mm. Um, but, and even if you look at do different languages, like for example, um, in French, I don't know if you speak French, but the way that they word things is, um, Rather than saying I am hungry, they say yeah. I have hunger, or I am, oh, uh, yeah. I am in pain. I have pain, and yeah. I I don't know if that was like an intentional thing, but um, it's like it's again that disassociation of like I am I am not that thing, but I have that yeah. thing, and yeah, yeah. That's it. So you're saying that this is something that needs to be fulfilled, or something that's uh, there's like a destination or a uh, something that you need to sort of, you know, that you, you need to do rather than I am this thing. I am hungry. I am in pain. I am a chronic sufferer. You could change that yeah. to, you know, I am currently living with chronic pain, but hopefully this won't be for the rest of my life. Yeah. Or honestly, I think, cause, and we have talked about this on many episodes before this, we talk about the statistics around chronic illness. So Statistically, uh, one in two Australians has a chronic illness. Seven out of 10 Americans have a chronic illness. I'm not sure what the statistic is in the UK, but it's very common. Chronic illness is very common. Yeah. And that includes mental health, uh, cancer, arthritis, IBS, chronic fatigue, et cetera, a whole wide range. So it's actually almost getting to the point where, especially in the Western world, chronic health conditions are the norm. Yeah, which is really unfortunate, but it's why we need to start to, in my view, need to start to shift our perspective around um, these conditions because it's so normal that it's what I want to do and what I think we're is talked about a lot in the community is 
making sure that people know that just because they're living with something or struggling or um, have some some sort of condition, yeah. that doesn't mean that they're less than anyone else. That doesn't yeah. mean that they're less of a person or less capable. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the things as well that um, I, I, I've i come to sort of understand about these conditions and about... Um, about most of these chronic illnesses, not definitely not all, but a lot of them, I believe that a lot of them stem from lifestyle and social expectation. I think that okay. uh, in the Western world, we live a lifestyle that is totally, totally unhealthy for us. We are busy worker ants, most of us. We um, are told from a very young age that this is what success looks like. And this is what you need to aspire to be. Yeah. So being influential, having lots of money, being in positions of power. These are what you should aspire to be. Celebrity is something that you should aspire to be. But in all of these positions, and especially the journey in getting to there, can be really detrimental to our health. So we end up, we end up sacrificing a lot of our health for wealth. Yeah. And I feel that, in, especially in the Western world, we, uh, our core values are centered around things that are, are extremely detrimental to our health. Whereas if you were to do things which are really healthy for you, for instance, you could take a day off, you cook good food for yourself, you surround yourself by friends, family that you like rather than dislike, yeah. or you surround yourself by people who would champion you rather than influential people who you think will champion your social status. Uh, you take time out for yourself. You do. You write. You read. You be creative. To somebody else who is who is coming from that um, that con that um, current Western lifestyle, they might look at that and go, "So you did nothing that day. You weren't very productive. In fact, you might be lazy." And you can actually say to that, "Well, no, I wasn't actually. I I, I loved yeah. it. I really enjoyed that, and it was really really good for me." So I feel that I feel that the the Western this sort of Western style um, lifestyle that we're living right now, it's not good for us. I feel that we have to change that and we have to change what's important and what we, what we aspire to be. I feel like we should be aspiring to be aligned with the people that we're supposed to be. We find something that we really enjoy doing and something that we uh, recognize we are gifted with and that we can gift the world with and find a way to make money and to live on doing that. That I think would eliminate so many chronic illnesses. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because you touch on like this whole rest and slowing down and that's something that I have definitely learned since having chronic fatigue syndrome. And because when, yeah, when I ha kind of got back into normal life after recovering, my default as, because of my personality is type A, overdo it, do too much, et cetera, et cetera. But coming out of chronic fatigue, I was very quickly and very much aware that that couldn't continue to be the way I lived my life. So yeah. one thing that yeah. I developed, a practice that I developed with while I had chronic fatigue is taking one day a week and turning my phone off, making it a day of rest. I'm introverted, so I don't see anyone. I sure. spend time with myself. I do things I like. I go to my favorite cafe for a swim. I don't talk Amazing. to anyone. It's my day <laughs> to cry. Yeah. Process emotions to yeah. 
process my week and be like yeah. and acknowledge things that were either hurtful or joyful. Yeah. And I just slow down. Yeah. And then it's like How it's a reset. I feel really great. It's a reset. It's like my soul is alive Cleanse. again. And yeah. I'm able to live fully during the week. And I do, I actually kind of am in this space where I'm doing a lot in my life. So I'm working part-time, I'm studying full-time. And then I also run Chronic Hope wow. and a team of five volunteers, et cetera. Busy. So it's it's a lot. Yeah. And people are like, how do you manage it all? And I kind of am just like, I rest. That's my answer is I rest. I manage yeah. it because I rest and I have a super full-on week but I'm making sure I'm getting enough sleep. I'm making sure I'm journaling in the morning, spending time kind of with myself. And then every week I rest. I have a full day. And Amazing. it's revolutionary in my life. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely yeah. would recommend it for, I mean, for other people just – giving yourself that permission to rest and rest. And again, I think it goes back to what you're saying with ego is like, we want to come across as like, we're so busy and doing all of these things and all of mm. that. But at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter. It yeah. actually doesn't matter. Absolutely. Would you say that you're more introverted or extroverted? I'm definitely an introvert. Yeah, good. You're an introvert. So you've recognized that even though you live a really, really busy lifestyle, you've recognized that you need time to be that introvert and to be that person. So that's when that's when you take that day for yourself, where yeah. you can go and have you time and introvert time, you journal, you go to your cafe, you don't speak to anybody. And that's, that's kind of like grounding, I, I guess, for you. Yeah, you can sort of ground yourself in that sense. And, uh, and, and basically kind of like reset and become who you um, become you know, more of the the person that you are. Um, also, I really like what you said as well about the the crying as well. I yeah. find that when I'm doing meditation, that my, when I start to get into it after about sort of five or 10 minutes, my eyes really stream, they start to stream tears. Yeah, I'm not sitting there crying as such. What my body's doing is that it's letting go of stress. And that's the way yeah. that I do. I sit there and breathe deep and I listen to, I don't know, sometimes I don't listen to anything. I just do nothing. But I, when I am, when I feel like I need that little bit of help, I'll go into a, a guided meditation and I'll listen to something that resonates with me at that time. And what happens is that my eyes just start streaming and streaming and streaming. And that's my body's way of releasing that pent up, maybe stress from the week or negative energy or something that's maybe hit me in the week that I haven't dealt with or spoken on. And that's my way of doing it. So I really like that. Yeah, I think I think our bodies all have different ways to process emotions as well. And that's that's my way of processing because I tend to ignore them, my emotions, ignore, ignore, ignore. And then Sunday or like, which is usually my day of rest, it's my day to let be like, okay, emotions, I'm going to acknowledge you. And yeah give you space <laughs> and again you know? that comes down to that social conditioning again doesn't it because technology has made it so that we technology has made it so that we um are, we don't have any excuses now not to be superhumans yeah. we don't have any excuses now not to be the best versions of ourselves because of technology but it's also um it's also uh something that can really not be too great for our lives as well like for instance if we're constantly on instagram i found that 
Uh, this year for me has been a new one for, for Instagram. I've never done Instagram before. When we went into the first lockdown, I decided that I'm really going to start pushing out my business, my life coaching, what I want to do. And the way to reach people and the way, I re- obviously, that we connected was through Instagram. Yeah. So don't get me wrong. I love it. I really enjoy using it. And it's it's a great way for me to, uh, to, to launch what I do and to reach potential clients and get onto great podcasts like this. But I find that if I am constantly on Instagram, and it's constantly ping, 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 it's going off all the time, and I'm answering it, and I'm looking at it, I find that kind of um, a bit stressful, actually. Yeah. So I found that I've learned how to limit myself on it. There's a setting that you can go onto it on notifications, and I'm sure you know about it, and it will say it will block for for one hour, for two hours, or something like that. So I tend to do that during the day, and then I'll go and hit it for an hour, and then step away from it for a little bit, you know? Unless I'm speaking to clients, of course, in which case I'm more on it because I want to get that, I want to get them in, I want to get that done. So um, I find that limiting, perhaps I'd say in in you know in summary, I think I think the technology is great, and I really enjoy using it, but I don't feel like I feel like if we're using it all the time, um, and we go along with this kind of like this Western sort of style of being busy, we, it tends to be detrimental to us because we're not acknowledging the things that are perhaps building up for us. You know, yeah. we're not acknowledging stresses. We're not acknowledging the pain that we're going through, you know, and especially again, that that's kind of almost backed up on Instagram when you're looking, you're looking at the feed and you're looking at the best of what everyone's bringing you. You know, someone's on holiday, someone's, um, someone's got like this great vacation they're doing. Someone's just bought a house. Someone's got a new car and you're thinking, oh my God, my life's totally not like this. I think stepping away from that for a little bit and acknowledging, do you know what? I feel a little bit hurt by that. I feel, um, I feel like, I haven't got this stuff just yet. I will have it, but I haven't got it just yet. So I'm going to need that time away. I'm going to need some grounding time. I need some time to uh, to reset and be thankful and incorporate some gratitude into my life about what I do have and 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 bring that positivity back again. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting that you bring up the social media thing because I was actually having a conversation with my team last week about it because going back to me being introverted, I'm actually quite a private person. My my default is to be private. I don't like sharing my life on social media as much. But I also feel that with chronic hope, and I'm sure you feel this as well, as well with what we've been through and walked through and learned, there is an opportunity to share that. And to, I guess I have to... Um, set my own preferences aside to to yeah. be like no this is actually for the better of other people if i can yeah. use my journey to inspire other people connect with other people on platforms like yeah. i connected with you it's beyond me it's beyond my preference but it's also okay to set boundaries around that so we were just talking around, around similar to what you're saying is like maybe i'll be on there certain days and yeah other days I won't be on there and I'm still actually trying to work that out but I've had to start putting my phone in the other room when I'm studying or because it's 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 a distraction it's, it's a distraction it's addicting your my phone calls to me and it's not yeah. healthy no that's right and I think we're all um because social media is such a new thing it's only been running since what I'm gonna say I, I think I was first got into social media in 2005 six something like that. And then Facebook came along in in 2007. And that was the thing that sort of really, really sort of, you know, super launched um, 
social media because it is still a relatively new concept to our society. We're unfamiliar or we don't really know about the detriments that it can have to our lifestyle as well. You know, it's like, uh, it's like introducing a new, like a new product. Like for instance, I would say like uh, vaping or something yeah. like that. It looks good. Uh, great alternative to smoking, but we don't know what the long-term effects are of doing this. And equally with, with, um, with social media, we don't know what the long-term effects are of us using this. Um, is it reprogramming our brains? Is it, um, yeah. is it making us go into this massive sense of comparison, you know, and uh, to other people as well? Uh, are we keeping up with the Joneses in a totally new way? Um, are we becoming um, ungrounded and not present because we are living in the virtual world rather than in the physical world? These can all be, don't get me wrong, I, I quite like social media. Yeah. And I equally, the same as you, um, I'm introverted as much as I am extroverted. Uh, there are times like now, for instance, where I'll be really extroverted, but there are times where I need to be grounded the same as you when I need to do my introvert stuff and my introvert work. I need to journal, I need to write, be creative, play music, uh, write poetry, something like that. It really works for me. And if I'm bombarding social media with what I'm doing, you know, look at me doing this or look at me doing that. I'm not saying look, if, if this works for you as a person, if this works for, for anyone who's listening to this and, you know, that, that that's working for them, it's making them feel good and, you know, and they're, uh, and they're enjoying it, then fair play, you know, go ahead and continue as you are. But if it's also making you feel as if you have to do it, you have to go onto it, you have to... Um, you have to post for the day. You have to go and do something. You know, it, that, that's that's detri detrimental. It's not that's not working. That's not working for you. It's working against you. So yeah. learning yeah. to take some time out for yourself from it, I feel, would really would really help. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's one of those things that's really important. And so I guess, kind of piggybacking off of that, you're obviously in lockdown, spending a lot of time kind of by yourself in your house probably trying to not spend all of that time on social media yeah what sure. what are, what are some recommendations you would have for other people in this season or not in this season like books podcasts sure music. um I've got, yeah i've got a few i'll go i'll tell you some of the, probably the top three maybe that works okay. for me okay being in touch with nature going out on walks yeah that's something I find um, incredibly helpful for my mental health, for my uh, for grounding, uh, and to keep present as well. Um, so this year, when I went when we went into the first lockdown, um, I had to keep my mind busy. <laughs> Otherwise, I think I was going to go mental. Yeah. I was going to lose, lose the plot. Um, I felt that lockdown was kind of taking away a lot of our social liberties. And, um, and, and things that we take for granted. And then we had to spend a lot of time indoors. In the UK, we were allowed uh, one hour of external, in meaning out of the house exercising. And yeah. in that time, what I was doing was I was going out for walks. We've got a huge uh, woodland uh, near us. And I would walk around this, this, this massive woods that we have. And you, I'll just go, go on like an hour long walk there. Um, and basically just, just look at trees and look at nature and yeah. uh, try and sort of, Let's not just try and absorb the atmosphere, I guess. And uh, luckily enough for us, we we don't always get good weather in the UK, but we had some incredible. We had an incredible spring, and um, it was just awesome. It was sun. Sun was out every day, and oh. I made use of that every day. So I would say going out for big walks, getting in touch with nature. Oh, I also started growing vegetables as well. Um, oh, that's that, awesome. 
it was so so good it's something i'm continuing now i really really enjoyed it so we uh we made uh, i grew lots of sort of zucchinis and and uh tomatoes and uh spring onions um you know just this this sort of stuff really and uh it was it was great i mean i I sound like an old man but i really really (laughs) enjoyed it it was just so much fun we're all channeling our inner old men these days yeah yeah. i think think these guys have got they've got some secrets to teach us so uh (laughs) i think um i think uh i think just just really acknowledging how much how much fun that was to do that and also to you're creating as well you're making something and then you get to eat it and it definitely tastes better it tastes better when you've grown when you've grown your own veggies so yeah. Yeah, yeah something like something like that it gave me a chance anyway to be in touch with nature to be creative and anyway just going out on the walks was just great for fresh air to get out of the house to change the environment to change up how I felt and every time I got back from a walk I felt energized recharged um yeah. I think the Japanese have a word for it I can't remember what it is but it it, it means like forest bathing oh no okay it's something I, I can't remember. Yeah, it's, it's it's something that, and they um, uh, there was a, a scientific study that was done out there which uh, showed that people actually become a lot more relaxed when they are surrounded by nature. So hence why we have indoor plants in yeah. in a lot of houses. We like to be in touch with nature. So that would be something that I would I would really really um I would really really recommend. Um, another thing for me, uh, meditation. It's something that I've been yeah. doing before, and it's something that I continue to do now. Uh, I listen to a there's a I guess there are there are podcasts. It's like a group of podcasts from a American company called Hay House. You've probably heard of it. I haven't. No. No. no? Okay. So these guys, uh, Hay House. Um, but basically, it's a platform where lots of different people put up their own versions of guided meditation. So somebody could just okay. do music. Someone's just doing a spoken one. Sometimes people do music and speaking. Uh, there are some sort of fairly famous people in there as well. And there are beginners and people who are just starting out in this. And I'll scroll through and I'll find a voice or I'll find something that resonates with me. They, like I said, they've got hundreds on their, on their channel. And I'll find something that resonates with me and I'll put it on. Usually it's a guided one because I quite like listening to um, soothing voices and, uh, yeah. and, and people that are, you know, that are just sort of guiding you through this. Um, sometimes I find when I meditate... Um, I'm trying to do the breathing exercises, but if I've had a busy week or if I'm particularly stressed, my mind's going, and I find it really hard to switch off from that. So listening to a soothing guided meditative voice really helps me to release negative energy um, and helps to ground me as well. So yeah, I would say meditation for sure would really, really help. Um, Reading. I'm reading, uh, okay, you're going to know this guy, uh, Tony Robbins. Oh yeah, definitely Anthony Robbins. Tony Robbins. Right, sure. So I'm reading um, uh, the Giant, Awaken the Giant Within. That's what it's yeah, called. Yeah, I've heard of so, that. Yeah, it's a cool book. It's really, really good. So I'm reading. Uh, it's in depth. My God, it's just really, really in depth. So it's taken me a while to get through it. Um, this book is a it's a mammoth book, and it is going into. He's got. He'll give you an idea, and then there'll be a sub sort of. Uh, sort of like a sub idea between that and then there'll be free ideas off of that so it's really really in depth and I'm really enjoying listening to his or reading his his journey his story and what he's incorporated into his life um to um to to essentially to, to propel him to where he is now and I'm thinking in time what I would like to do would be inspirational speaking and stage work and that so 
taking somebody like him who is doing that, finding ideas and, and resonating with his energy, I find really starting to help me in, in my journey. So um, yeah, finding, finding a good book. You don't have to read that book, of course. That's just something that I'm finding works for me. But no, I think that's great. I think I've definitely heard a lot about Tony Robbins and um, especially in like the business space and like mm. chronic yeah. illness and self-help and all of that sort of thing. So yeah, he touches out. a lot upon about um, what you said earlier about not allowing yourself to be a victim as well. Yeah. He, um, he talks about mindset and how we can help ourselves and that really resonated with me. That was something that I was, I've been doing for a long time. So reading up on somebody else who's gone through a similar experience, albeit that it's, it's not, his wasn't so much, his wasn't IBS, but yeah. he's at a position that uh, he's doing the sort of work that I want to be doing. So that resonated with me. So that's why I'm reading that. But that's even awesome. just reading like a decent fictional book or something like that, um, it takes you away from, it takes you away from where you are currently and it kind of dives you into you know you're still present you're still there you're absorbed in that but you're not you know you're not mindlessly scrolling on on youtube or instagram and it's not like bang 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 which i think again which i don't think is very very good for our health in short doses i think would be okay but let's say for instance if you spent an hour on social media and you you know you're, you're being met with ad commercial 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 Look at yep. this person, commercial, look at this, commercial. And I just don't think it's very, very good for us. So, but I find reading, um, reading particularly relaxing. And also you learn a lot from it as well. So yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah. I would say that. I'm, oh. I'm similar as well with that. Being an introvert, love reading. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, well, sure. You journal I, as well, don't you? Yeah, I journal, I write poetry, journal. Read. Amazing, I do, po- I do poetry as well. I love it. We'll have to do a podcast where we share some of our poetry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Why That'd not? Awesome. We can make one up. Yeah, <laughs> on exactly. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming and joining me for a chat today. It's been really... My pleasure. I feel like time has flown, and it's been really awesome chatting with you. I was looking forward to this podcast, and... Oh, me too, me too. Thank you so, so much for having me on. I've really, really appreciated it. And uh, and for anyone who's made it right the way through to the end as well, thank you so much for joining us and for listening and tuning in to us. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed the chat as much as we have. I, I think we've... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been doing well. Oh, wow. It's gone quick, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Well, anyway, thanks again. Thanks very much, Jamie. All the best to you. Thanks for listening to the Sound of Hope podcast. If you want access to show notes, go to chronichope.org, where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. And make sure to follow us on our Instagram, at chronic underscore hope. See you next week.